Matthew chapter 25. We are continuing our sermon series in ears to hear, listening to the stories of Jesus. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have your Bible with you, get your device out. Let's get there. Skip all the other apps. Get your Bible out. We're going to walk through this text today. As we walk through this text, let me set it up for you. Matthew chapter 25. If you think about what's happening before in Matthew chapter 24 and leading up, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise from the grave. I'm going to ascend. And so then he's going to give us three parables in Matthew chapter 25. The first parable is the parable of the 10 virgins. We'll do that one later in this semester in about two weeks. The point of that is to say, be ready, be watchful, be prepared. Jesus is coming again. So if we're going to be watchful, if we're going to be ready, if we're going to be prepared, then the question logically forms in our minds. So what do we do? Do we stand on the mountain and look up into heaven saying, Jesus, when are you coming back? Well, no. Because we know, because we've read the rest of the Bible, that he says, why are you people standing here looking up into heaven? He's going to come in like manner. Now, go get to work. This second parable, the parable of the talents that we're going to walk through today, is the parable that says to them, here's what you do while you wait. And then there's another parable, the parable of the sheep and the goats, that's going to come in. That's going to talk about separating those who are followers of Christ versus those who are not followers of Christ. So today, we're landing right in the middle of Matthew chapter 25. And when we land there, we're going to land at verse 14 and go through verse uh, 30. And the middle of this section is, what do I do while I wait? So let me give you the main idea of the text, and then I'll give you the outline of the text, and then we're going to read the text. So get your journals out, make sure you're ready, you're taking notes. Here's what you want to write down as your main idea of our text for today. Be a faithful, kingdom-minded steward of all God entrusts to us. A faithful, dealing with all the details right, kingdom-minded, because we know that Jesus is coming back and there's gonna be a judgment as to how we used all of these things, and so we've got the kingdom in mind. Steward, because we don't own them, we're just utilizing them, of all God entrusts to us. That's our main idea of our text today. Here's how we're going to parse it out. Here's how we're going to walk through it. So your outline begins with entrusting resources. We're going to entrust those resources. You'll see that in verses 14 and 15. Then there's going to be producing a return. So if you were to think about this in the, in the balance sheets of a business, you're going to have your income, you're going to have your expenses, and then you're going to have your audit. So you're going to have your entrusting of resources your producing of a return, and then your settling of accounts. And when we get to that settling of accounts, it's gonna take up a larger portion of this. This is where the story that Jesus is telling that he's casting alongside of be, be busy, be working. Don't just stand there looking up into heavens. Get busy working for the kingdom. There's gonna be accounts that need to be settled. And in these accounts, you're gonna see two different categories. You're gonna see the first two, and they're the reward of faithful stewardship. And then you're gonna see that last one, which is the tragedy of wasted opportunity. So here's our outline as we walk through it. Let's read our text. If you would, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 25. Jesus teaching, casting the parable alongside to teach a principle with an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. In verse 14, he says, for... Connecting it back to what's happened earlier, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more, but the one who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents, came forward, and he said, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had also received the one talent came forward, and he said, Master, I I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Well, then you should have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take this talent from him and give it to the one who has 10, for to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dear Lord, would you... Help my words to clarify your text, to glorify you. Would you help us to see what you want us to see in this story that you told? And Lord, would you help us to grow more like you as we look into your word today that you may be glorified and praised in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So we read this story and we immediately think, oh, it's a little bit harsh. So let's back up now, let's walk through it. Let's look and see what's happening here. So at first we look at the entrusting resources. So we look in verses 14, it says far. So that far bumps it back up and says, all of these things that have talked previously are gonna play into this. It will be like, well, what's the it here? In this word it, you have something that it's not clear. It's, what exactly are you talking about? So you jump back up to verse one and you realize it says in verse one of 25, the kingdom of heaven will be like So then this is a second story. So the it refers back to the kingdom of heaven. So far the kingdom of heaven will be like. So now we get a story. This kingdom of heaven, what's it gonna be like? It's gonna be like a man who's going on a journey. He called the servants. He called the people who work for him. As he calls those people who work for them, it says he's gonna distribute things that are his own. He's gonna entrust to them resources that are his to give out. And so the story tells us here that he's giving out these resources, his own property. He's not obligated to give them these resources. So think about this master who's gonna give them the resources. This is kind, this is nice. He's entrusting to them his property. And in verse 15, it says he gave to one five talents and to another two 
into another one. So then we ask the question immediately, what's a talent? Well, a ta- talent in this day and time was a unit of measurement. It was also used to describe money. We can't tell you, I can't tell you exactly what five talents, two talents, or one talent is. And here's the reason it's complicated. It's a unit of measure. We are not told in this story whether it's measuring gold, silver, or bronze, or something else. And all of that indicates the value. And so the common understanding that we look out and think about, if you're using the NIV and it has down there about $1,000, that's way too little. But the common understanding we think about with the talent is 20 years worth of wages. 20 years worth of wages for one talent. So back in that day and time, it would have meant 20 years worth of wages. You bring that forward with inflation. Let's give it a number to put it in our minds, realizing that I can't give you an accurate number. This is just a ballpark for the purposes of letting the text sink into our lives. So how much are you gonna make in your yearly salary when you graduate from Cedarville? You're probably gonna make like seven figures or something, but let's just say $50,000. Y'all didn't laugh nearly enough for that. All right. $50,000, right? Good salary. I'm graduating, mom, dad, I got a job. I'm gonna make $50,000 a year. I'm excited. $50,000 a year, 20 years. What does that result in? Thank you. We have a math major up here who immediately, actually, you may be a business major who knows how to do money and that's a million dollars. How many of you would like to have a million dollars entrusted to you by your master? Bitcoin, here we come, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not giving him a million dollars. That's all I have to say. No investment committee for you. Um, one talent, a million dollars. Use it for today. Recognizing we can't say in the text exactly what the right number is. So this master, in trust to them his property, gave one five talents, Here's $5 million, go invest. I'm going away on a trip. I'm entrusting you with this. Are you kidding me? You're gonna entrust me with $5 million? The other one, he gives two. And then to the last one, he gives one. And it says to each according to his ability. So the master in this story knows the servants, knows the ability, and he gives them $5 million, $2 million, and $1 million. And all of us in this room, if somebody gave us this, would say, well, you know, at first we might say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But then we're gonna say, what am I gonna do with it? The master's coming back. He's gonna expect to have a return on his money. He's gonna expect something with his money. What am I gonna do with this? And so we see the entrusting of resources according to the ability. So then what happens? Look at what takes place here. To the one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to the one each according to his ability. Then the master goes away. Verse 16, we see the producing of a return. Here's where it comes. Look at verse 16, producing return. He who had received the five talents went at once. Oh, he didn't wait. This guy was excited. I have five talents. I get to go do some work. I get to go do some investing. So it says he had five talents and he went and he traded with them. What did he trade with them? I don't know. Did he buy a vineyard and create some wine? Did he buy a farm and create some food? Did he go and trade in the stock market of the day? Did he go and get into commodities? They didn't have Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or Dogecoin, which I don't understand at all, or Ethereum or any of this other stuff. What did he do? I don't know. The story doesn't tell us. It's not important. But he went away at once and he began to trade. He began to use what he had been given so that he could then create a return. And then verse 17, so also the one who had two talents and he made two talents more. They both doubled it 100% profit. And we go, oh, this is absolutely amazing. 100% return for the first two. You take five, you get five more. You take two, you get two more. That's a good day. 
and that's a good year, that's a good decade if you're able to take your money and double it. So look at what they've done and then we get to verse 18. It's real easy for us to look at the one who received the one talent and say, what are you doing? But pause for a second. If I gave you a million dollars and I said to you, there's gonna be an accounting of this that takes place and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna tell you to tell me what you did with it and what the return looked like and how that looked, how are you gonna use that million dollars? Well, you know, I could put it in the stock market, but the stock market's really high right now. It's like hit all-time highs for several days in a row and there's inflation going on and there's the job. The stock market could go down next year. I don't know that I really wanna invest in that. It's a real issue here of am I gonna use the resources that I have been entrusted or am I just gonna sit back and do nothing with them? What would happen? So what if somebody entrusted something to you of extreme value? Who are the type A go-getters in the room that you're gonna go run and jump off the cliff with whatever's been given to you? Where are you? Raise your hand. You're type A, you don't care. Yeah. Who are those of you that are like, don't give me the million dollars, give it to somebody else. I don't wanna have to give account for it. Where are you? Yeah, right there, okay. There are more of you in the room than the others. Guess what? This story is talking about talents and it's talking about being busy for the kingdom and it's talking about working for the kingdom and that's the main push of this story. But for this room and this audience, here's what I wanna say to 18 to 22 year olds sitting in this audience. God has entrusted you with gifts He has entrusted you with intellectual ability. He has entrusted you with time that he is gonna give you for your life and we make each one of those days matter. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may live a life of wisdom. He has given you personalities. He has given you opportunity to have impact for the kingdom of God. So I say to every one of you in this room right now, God has entrusted you with an incredible gift and an opportunity to do something great for the kingdom. Are you gonna multiply it? Or are you gonna go bury it in a hole? Are you gonna go out eagerly and say, God, you've given me intellectual abilities. I'm gonna apply myself. I'm gonna work hard in math. I'm gonna work hard in nursing. God, you've given me an empathy so that I can care for others. I wanna make sure that I'm a good counselor to all of those friends. God, you've given me an extroverted personality. I can go out and not talk to anybody. I'm gonna go out and share the gospel with others. God, you've given me a heart for the nations. I'm gonna leave the comforts of American society and go overseas to the mission field and I'm gonna spend my life sharing the gospel with somebody that's never heard the name of Christ. God's given each one of you gifts. You may not realize it, but you are among the smartest people in the world because you're sitting here in this audience right now as a student at Cedarville. You scored like an average of 26 on your ACT and a 3.6 GPA, which means you're all smarter than I am. And some of you think I'm kidding. I'm not, but it's okay. I still work here. God's good, that's all I'm saying. You're young. Most of you have years to go. 60 years to live. What are you gonna do with them? You know, I could do this, but I'm kind of afraid I might fail, so I'm just gonna go bury all of this stuff I've been given in a hole, and it's just gonna sit here, and I'm not gonna do anything with it until Jesus comes back. Are you willing to risk everything God has given you to serve God and to further and advance his kingdom? Or are you gonna hide it? 
You're gonna sit back and not use it. Okay, make your choice. What am I gonna do? Am I gonna go be bold? I'm gonna sit back and make sure I don't mess anything up. Am I gonna go try to do something that I might fail on? Fear of failure. I don't wanna do that. Am I gonna go do something amazing for the gospel, for the kingdom, attempt to do something incredible and trust that God's gonna make it happen? If I do that and I don't succeed, my Instagram account won't look like everybody else's because they only post positive pictures of when they're winning. They never post when they get losses or they never post when they're in trouble or when they're depressed or where they don't feel good and they're all stressed out. I never get a 2 a.m. photo on Instagram of somebody pulling their hair out because they didn't study long enough for that test that they just are gonna fail. It's not on Instagram, is it? All right, I'll move on. Settling accounts, 19 through 23, and then we're gonna keep going. There's two subpoints here, so we're gonna settle accounts. We're gonna look at verse 19, what happens? Gifts have been given, and now there's an accounting that, that comes back. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts. Now note, I think this is important here. He says, after a long time. I think probably what Jesus is doing when he's tossing alongside some of these stories is he's telling them, be ready, the bridegroom's not gonna come back for a long time. Some of these people are gonna be out of oil for their lamps. They didn't prepare well enough. You prepare well enough. It's gonna be a while. You're gonna work. It's after a long time. You get a long time to have this 100% return to utilize these gifts for the kingdom. So it says here now that after a long time, the master of those servants came and they settled accounts. So that's where we get our point. It's the settling of the accounts with them. Verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward. Oh, you can imagine this guy. You can imagine being this guy. This is the guy that solved the math problem and nobody else can solve the math problem and he's all excited. At least in my mind, this guy's got all the energy. He's coming forward and he's bringing it. Look what I did. This is when the dad gets home and the kids have done something amazing and he runs up and he says, dad, 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 can I tell you about my day? And you know what? When that happens at my house, I'm sitting back in my chair, I just smile. Yeah, tell me about your day. You'd never guess what happened. Master, you've been gone so long. Guess what happened? You gave me five talents. Look, there's five more. Excited. Because you did something amazing for the king. And the king came back. And now you get to tell the king, look what I did. So what does the king say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over, what does it say? All right, take, take a moment, look down, look up, look wherever. What does it say? You have been faithful over what? Okay, we didn't get that. You have been faithful over what? How much are we talking about? Five million dollars. There's no category in my mind where this is a little. I can't comprehend that this is a little. So who is this master? You've been faithful over a little. I'm, I'm glad you took these pennies in my pocket and turned them into something better. Guess what I'm gonna do? I will set you over much. Okay, time out. If I'm a faithful steward for the king, the king might want me to do something even bigger or greater or more. Now you start getting excited, right? It's not just about turning five talents into 10 talents. It's about serving the king as a faithful steward and being useful for the king. And here he says, I'm gonna set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, that joy, that smile that's on your face when somebody shares that good news and you're excited with them. Enter into the joy. 
All right, so there's another side point here. This is really a side point. But this guy takes five talents and he turns them into 10 talents. And when he comes back, Jesus doesn't look at him and say, you should have given it all away. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wealth or with creating wealth and then using your wealth to help others if you do it in the right way. Nowhere in this text does he come back and say wealth is evil. Wealth and money is a tool that is not morally evil or morally good. It can be used in both directions. And so to all of you, I say, especially you business majors, go make as much money as you can and use it to further the kingdom of God. Don't let people make you feel bad about it. Don't let people tell you that you shouldn't do it. In fact, you need to go read Wayne Grudem's The Poverty of Nations, where he talks about the fact that a capitalistic system with a biblical worldview would help get most nations out of poverty. I'll move on. That's not what this text is about. That was just for the fun of it, because I work here. Okay, so then he moves into the next one, verse 22. And he also said to the one who had two talents, and he came forward, the guy who had two talents, just excited, Dad, master, guess what? I, oh, this happens at work too. Something really good happens at work, somebody comes in, hey, I just gotta tell you the good news. I get a text, you available? Yeah, somebody comes in, they're excited, you know there's something good happening. I gotta tell you the good news. We got it. We did it. We took the two talents and we turned them into four talents. So excited. What does the master say? The exact same thing. So it's not about the level. It's about being a faithful steward. It's not, is God gonna entrust you with five million? Is God gonna entrust you with two million? Or is God gonna entrust you with two dollars? It's about being a faithful steward of whatever God entrusts you with. So some of you in the room scored perfect on your ACT. None of the rest of us like you. But you have an ability to use all of that Amen. I got an amen on that. All right. <laughs> you have the responsibility to use that for God's glory. Some of you barely got by on your ACT. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah. And you have the same responsibility to use every ounce of intellect that you have for God's glory. You play a musical instrument, you use it for God's glory. You have the ability to speak clearly you could dominate at the speech competition in the name of Jesus, just like they did, and use it for God's glory. Use it. Don't bury it. Exact same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So now verse 24. This is where it breaks down. This is where it gets bad. So he comes with the one talent, and he says this. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Hard there, scleros. So if you have arterial sclerosis, it's the hardening of the arteries. And he says, this is a hard man. Is this a hard man? Like I call this into question. Time out. He gave you a talent. For today, he gave you what we're calling a million dollars for you to go utilize. Is this a hard man? If so, may I please have hard people to be my bosses? I mean, come on. I know you to be a hard man. You reap where you did not sow. All right, no, no. He gave the talents. That's sowing. And he gathered where you did not scatter any seed. So I was afraid, and I believe that. I believe in verse 25, this is the real reason. And I believe this is an issue with all of us. And I believe this is an issue with this generation, just like it's an issue with every generation. And we call it fear of failure. I don't wanna do something great or something amazing. I don't wanna say I'm gonna go try to do something great for God because I'm afraid I'm gonna fail. I would rather sit back and just do the little bitty things that I know I can accomplish in my own power rather than stepping out and saying, I wanna do something for God that I can't do so that he gets all the glory and the credit for it. And what I wanna say to you is don't be the servant that buries your talent in the dirt. 
Go be somebody that has a big, ambitious dream that you can't accomplish. And say, God, by your power, by your grace, by your mercy, use me to do more than I ever thought I could do for your kingdom, for your advancement, for your gospel, for your glory. Will you be that bold? Will you be that ambitious, that audacious to say, God, I want to do something I can't do for you? And there's not a ton of amens because we're all sitting here going, I don't know. What if I fail? What are mom and dad going to think? This is hard. And here's what he says. I was afraid. So I went and hit it. I put it in the ground. Here. Here's what's yours. Okay, so let's first of all acknowledge he didn't lose it. He buried it really well. Nobody saw him. Nobody went and got the talent, right? So he did something. Is he rewarded for that something? The master answered him and says, now notice this has a question mark at the end of it. So I don't think the master is agreeing with everything. I think he's asking the question and he doesn't repeat hard. But he says to him, you wicked and lazy servant, slothful. You know what a sloth is, right? You watch those videos of a sloth trying to cross the road on Facebook or wherever and it takes like so long, you're like skipping ahead to like, is this thing ever gonna make it or is it gonna die? This thing doesn't move. What does this thing do? Why does this thing exist? Evolution can make no sense because this thing would have been dead billions of years ago if it actually did happen. (laughs) I mean, you're going all these things through your head, right? And you're sitting here going, you wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I did not scatter any seed, did you? You hear the question there? You think that? All right, well, let me use my logic against you. If that's the case, then why didn't you invest my money with the bankers? So in this day and time, you could not invest money and charge interest to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles, you could invest your money, you could charge interest. So why didn't you at least put my money in the bank so that you could get interest? Now, if this were modern times, the interest would be like 0.0001%. You're not gonna get anything off of it, but the master's saying, why didn't you at least put it in the bank and get some interest? Because you buried it in a hole and I've been gone a long time. And so I come back and it's worth less now than what it was when I actually gave it to you. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Verse 28, take the talent from him. Give it to the guy that has 10. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Look at verse 30. We've heard this before. We've read this before. It says, and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, into that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here, I don't even think this last servant knew the king. I don't think this last servant knew his master. This last servant was afraid of a master that gave good gifts. He said that you are a hard master and you do things that are corrupt in a sense because you're gathering where you haven't even sown or scattered. I don't think this last person knew who the master was at all. And I think what Jesus is saying when he casts this alongside, you're gonna wait on me when you wait on me, use all of your gifts for the kingdom, work hard for the kingdom, be all about the kingdom, advance the kingdom. And those who don't know Jesus and they think God's just this this boogeyman up here that's wanting to beat us all and make us all have no fun, I don't wanna serve him because he's hard. He's the lawgiver. He's the one that's the, the judge. He's the one that's gonna send us to hell. This is, they're afraid of that Jesus. They're afraid of that God, but they don't know my God. 
They don't know the God that gave me life and gave me breath and gave me the grace to be reconciled to him by sending his son on a cross to die in my place and for my sake so that I could live life at his fullest. They don't know the God that gave us the rules to tell us how to flourish in this life, not the change and bondages of sin, but to actually flourish with joy in Christian community and to be able to work for him. They don't know the good master that I know. So I say, let's go work for the king. He's a good king. Oh, he's hard. You don't know him. He's tough. He's ruthless. No, he's not. He's gracious. Over and over and over, he's forgiven me. He gives me grace I don't deserve. This is a good master. It's my joy to be able to work as hard as I possibly can to take five talents and turn them into 10. It's a pleasure. All right. I don't even know where I am in these notes. I don't have a clue. I haven't paid any attention. All right, so that means I better get to the summary because it's 1041. Here's your application thoughts. Write these down, think about them. Some of these are in your notebooks that you have. This text is about what we do while we're waiting on the king to come back. We're gonna be faithful, kingdom-minded stewards of all that God has entrusted to us, working for the advancement of the gospel. An application to all of us is to recognize that all of our life is a stewardship and not an ownership. I didn't create this life. I am not master of my own destiny. I will one day stand before a judge and give account for how I use this life. So that makes me a steward and not an owner. A steward acts differently than an owner acts. If it's an owner, I can do whatever I wanna do with it. I can destroy it. I can end it. If I'm a steward, then I've gotta give account for what I did with it from the one who graciously gave it to me and I treat it in a different way. I understand it in a different way. I do whatever the king says do because I'm a steward of the king. Where's your mindset? You've been given great gifts. Yeah, I don't wanna work hard and use them. Wicked and lazy servant. Go use them. You won't regret it. Number two, I've already mentioned this, money is morally neutral and should be used to further the kingdom of God. So to all of you that are gonna go out here and do great things, don't let people make you feel bad about it. Go use, go do great things. Give to your local church, tie to your local church, give to the missions movement, support others if you're not gonna go overseas and do it yourself. Make sure you're using that for the furtherance of God's kingdom. And here, here's where I wanna drill down for just a second. I got a few minutes left. Pursue how your future vocation may serve God and advance his mission on earth. Teachers, where are you? Education majors, where are you in the room? They're all over. You're gonna be front lines on the mission fields in public schools and private schools. You're gonna be in front of kids who have never heard the gospel before, who don't have a mom and dad to represent the gospel to them. Your life is a mission in the school system. You can multiply for the kingdom so many times over. Social workers, where are you? Broken culture, society messing up, and yet you get to engage and protect those who can't protect themselves and speak for those who can't speak for themselves, and you get to insert yourself into messy situations and live out the gospel. Nurses, where are you? 
serve others as Christ served us. I know they push serving in our nursing program. And when you go to work, you don't go to work for a paycheck. You go to work because you get to serve others. And in their most desperate times of life, there you are with the gospel. I'm about to die. I don't know where I'm going. Can you pray for me? Oh, you bet I can pray for you. I can pray the gospel right here over you. Are you kidding me? You have the opportunity to be there at the moment they're thinking about eternity more than any other moment and serve them. Oh, take those talents and multiply them. Cybersecurity majors, where are you? You get to protect us from that rich widow who died and wants to leave us millions of dollars. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, come on, how many of you have gotten that email, right? All right, yes. We, I think we get like 14,000 of them a day here. Engineers? How many of you know how to dig clean wells for water? How many of you know how to put a bridge together? How many of you know what a road's supposed to look like? How many of you can be engaged in missions and go to, go to places where they don't have clean water, where they don't understand what infrastructure's supposed to look like, and you can use the talents God's given you, your passion and your talent, and you can align those for the kingdom of God, and you can do something incredible for God's glory, either with the rest of your life or on short-term mission trips or engaging with others with the talents and gifts that you have. Do you see it? Do you see that all of you here could gather together around a church planner and say, I'm gonna go to this region and there's 10 of us and the nine of us are gonna tithe and support that church planner who's gonna plant that church in a region where there are no good gospel churches and all of a sudden there's a good gospel church where there wasn't a gospel church and you take the talents the Lord has given you and together having fun with your buddies, you multiply those for the rest of your life and you change an area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. How many of you can dream big? What's your big, audacious goal that you're gonna live your life for the furtherance of the kingdom of God? Don't waste it. Don't sit back here and say, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You're the smart ones. You have all the time. You have all the talents. You have all the abilities. Dream big. Don't have a little bitty dream. I'll take these talents and dig a hole because I'm scared I'm gonna lose them. No. Let's go. William Carey, 1761 to 1834, preached a sermon. In that sermon, he asked the question, what can we do for the world's missions movement? After one sermon, there was a resolution that read, resolved that a plan be prepared against the next minister's meeting at Kettering for forming a Baptist society for the propagation of gospel among the heathen. They did. They said, who will go? Carey said, I'll go if you'll hold the rope. I'll go if you'll help. Kerry arrived in India in September 1796. He died in 1834 and on his tombstone it read this, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm on thy kind arms, arms I fall. Here's what he said. Here's the quote that we all know. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. He went to India and established a university that's still at work. He went to India and took the gospel and did ministry there that still has fruit. And I wanna say to all of you, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Don't waste your talent. Don't waste your life. Dear Lord, this is scary and yet exciting all at the same time. So with this generation of students, with everybody 
under the sound of my voice, would all of us, Lord, would you give us a great vision for what we could do for you to advance and further the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Lord, would you give us a passion? And then, Lord, would you make it happen? Because we can't. For your glory and for your honor, would you call out some among us to live lives that are radical, that have an audacious, big vision for your glory in this earth? Would you make it happen? In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. And you are dismissed.